1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. How you doing, everyone? Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. Uh, we have a special guest, Drew Gregory, today. But before we get to him, I want to do a few announcements. First off, we have our tournament at Eastport Marina going on from March 31st to April 3rd. I will be there. There's a bunch of paddle and fin hosts that will be there. Then also we have going on all year long is our fantasy fishing on uh, paddleandfin.com slash fantasy. And uh, I just signed up myself. And still need to put a team in, so I need to get get on that. But uh, other than that, let's bring in Drew. And I just noticed my camera angle is completely my my kids must have messed with this <laughs> camera angle. <laughs> you're, you're good, man. You're good. Yeah. You're like those kayak anglers that are uh, you know holding up pictures of their fish pre-fishing, kind of uh, <laughs> kind of stealth like. You know, I yeah. change that camera angle to the sky in the background yeah. and half half my body in the fish. <laughs> yep, yep. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. Just just yeah. hanging in here, you know, up in the cold up here in Ohio still, but it's it's not too bad. I mean, everyone told me before I moved up here, like, eh, it's long winters and cold and snow, and oh, honestly, it's not been that bad, really. I mean, well, you got the snow blow. I've seen the pictures of that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We definitely have the snow. That was a smart move. The snow blowers has yeah. been nice. Got one of those uh, battery-powered ones, too, so it's yeah. nice and quiet. I can listen to the paddle and fin and the headphones while I just plow the, uh, you know, snow blow the whole driveway. So it's pretty sweet. And that's what I like about being so far up north here in the, you know, we're in Kent, Ohio, kind of near Cleveland, Akron. 
and it gets cold enough where you actually get like real snow. If you're going to live yeah. up north, man, I say like you might as well just do it. And, you know, just where there's dry snow and you're not just constantly getting 34 degree rains. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of nice. So it's not bad. You don't have to, I don't have to wipe our dog dog's paws like crazy when they come in and out. Cause it's all just dry snow and it's nice. They're not all muddy and, and wet all the time. Now they will be in the spring, yeah. but that's another story. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm dealing with it in Chicago here. There's it's snowing. Yeah. It's, it was a, like negative. 20 like a couple weeks ago but you know we're dealing with it yeah before it, you know it it's springtime that's right and we <laughs> you know fortunately for me and, and hopefully you some as well and, and others who kayak fish you get a chance to get out a little bit you know break the winters up by doing some of those tournaments that are down south that start yeah. early usually my year does start out like that uh this year we happen to have a little newborn little little girl um, so I wanted to stay here with mom and, you know, we have a, a toddler as well. So, well, he's three and a half years old. I don't know if that's still considered toddler, but either way. Oh, well, my four year old finds a way to make every podcast. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so, you know how it is, man. So uh, I just wanted to be here and hang out with her and start my season a little bit later at the, the Bassmaster uh, kayak series championships in early March. So that's when I'll get out. But if you break it up, the winter's not bad and it forces you, honestly, this has forced me you know, just how winter kind of starts in November or whatever, and it ends, you know, who knows when, like April around here. But it forces me to do a lot of the organizational stuff and the business side of the fishing, which I feel like is there's a lost art, and a lot of people aren't doing that side of it, which is critical to the winning. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's kind of like – it's kind of like uh, – man, I was watching that Last Dance uh, documentary with Michael Jordan uh, recently. I still have never seen that. It's really good if you haven't watched it. But – the the GM of the Bulls, you know, you're from Chicago, so I figured this is kind of applicable yeah. here. He uh back in the day, whatever, Kraus, he was always saying, you know, organizations win championships and he got misquoted a little bit, but his point was there's no doubt about it, you know, he he had to bring in all those people. You have to give him credit for that. He brought in all those players, all those coaches, you know, everybody underneath him. The whole organization is actually what what won. So I guess what I feel like we we lack at as anglers so far as these top tier tournament anglers who are trying to do this full time, or even the ones who aren't, the, even the YouTubers and other folks that are trying to do it full time, there the business side of it is what we got to get a little bit better at because I think we just feel like there's this this dream out there. Oh, you just go fish every day and somehow magically, you know, sponsors yeah. and money and income that's going to help you do that falls in your lap, but that's not the case. So the organization, yeah, I was the, just whole, the whole thing, about that the last night. With another yep. guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's a business. It's hard to do and, and pull that side of it off. Yeah. It's it's almost just as much of a skill and talent as the actual fishing side. And it's tough, man. Not only do you, do you have to be a good angler these days to do it for a living, you got to be good at the other part of it, too. So, anyway, I won't get, get us too far into the weeds there. But, <laughs> but uh, you're fine. I mean, the I winner, had a whole conversation on it last night with somebody. You? Yeah, it's per. It's a good one to maybe talk about on. And I'm sure it's been talked about before on podcasts. But anyway, I guess my point is the winners up here have, have forced me to like hunker down, organize, and get that other side of of you know full time fishing in order. So yeah, I'm just looking at everything. I look at everything as a positive. You know? <clears throat> so yeah, well, I mean that's the best way to look at things. Yeah, you know, I know right. I just got called. Uh, Brian called me about the show that in Madison. I'm excited to go do that. It's not fishing, but it's fishing related. 
you know, and it mm-hmm. with the sponsorships, you have to do stuff like that. So you might as well make it fun. You know? Exactly. I mean, that's what this is all about. At the end of the day, we are doing this, you know, for fun. People yep. do go and travel across the country to fish the tournaments for fun, even though it's serious. They take it super serious the same way. Like I said, you know, in that documentary, you know, Jordan is out there to have fun. He enjoys the basketball, but he's serious about it. His fun is winning, if that makes sense. So, yeah. you know, you can you can be it's, – it's hard to be kind of a laid-back, jovial, kind of nice guy sort of during a tournament weekend, if you will, when you're also there to be serious about winning, and that's that's also fun to you. You almost have to – those two are hard to like kind of, I don't know, like juggle those two yeah. personalities. You're either real serious and hardcore about it, and you're not – drinking and you're not laughing pushing each other in the bushes till one in the morning at your airbnb <laughs> uh you know or or you are doing that and that's your gig like you just want to have fun chill and you do, don't really care about winning because this is this is a sport like any other sport you don't see the top athletes in the world in their sports respective sports you know doing that you know they have these yeah. insane workout reg- regimens and you know, Tiger Woods, you know, he always talks about his scheduling and what he does. And he took golf to another level with the workouts and uh, his practice uh, methods and things like that. And, you know, you look at Major League Fishing and the Elite Series and all those guys. I mean, they're, it's getting more and more just serious. hardcore, man. Serious. Yeah. yeah. So well, you see every- a lot of those guys, they're even taking their health into more and more of a yep. of a better situation versus the old, you know, when you look back. Right. It, fishing was all the bass fishing was always the guy with the bear belly drinking beers fishing and now one days it's like kind of did a complete 180 on that that's true man yeah. it really is i've noticed that as a matter of fact it's the only knock or well not only there's a couple <clears throat> things i i think that mlf could tweak but if they could tweak one thing i mean every fish counts is is changed the way bass fishing is played like you don't you don't have a chance to take a big risk to go 40 miles up the lake or down the lake to a spot where you know you might could catch a six pounder or seven because you think i'm gonna waste all that time and somebody else is over there catching two pounders and that's gonna three two pounders is gonna beat me so you need that time so what it but what it has done uh in terms of what we're talking about is i've seen the younger guys who are faster and like you said work out more athletic there it's about speed and and just the athleticism, it really comes into play. It does matter. And because they're counting every fish, it matters even more because it's not like you can just relax and chill or take a big gamble and go up the, the lake necessarily. It's it's not every single two-pounder <coughs> counts. So it's it becomes a little bit more of a, you know, I'm a little bit more athletic and endurance sport where I kind of like the five-fish format where, I mean, there's pros and cons. Well, I like the five fish yeah. format because my fishing style fits it a yeah. lot better. Right. I, I, I normally catch only about 10 fish, but I'm always looking for the biggest fish, like you said. Yeah, exactly. Making that long run for the six pounder. Yep. And to me, that's that's a little bit more exciting seeing the big fish as opposed to a bunch of smaller ones. Now I know that they're always looking for spots with big ones, but I'm just saying in certain instances, they cannot they cannot make a two hour run. Like they just can't risk it. That's too much time. They're giving up to the field. That's going to catch a bunch of two pounders. Whereas in the five fish format, once you've got a decent limit of, you know, three, four, five, you know, a full, you know, limit, especially of, of two, three pounders. I mean, you can, you can go 
take that risk and go make that run because otherwise you're going to keep catching the same two, three pounders you've been catching. If you found out that's what the size of this, these fish are, now you can take that risk. You could drive an hour and a half. I've, I'm telling you right now, I drove on Lake Champlain, the tournament for Hobie. Um, I got second in that this past, you know, 2021. I drove to the complete southern end in the middle of the tournament. I drove an hour and a half. I, I loaded up uh, from the northern end and drove down an hour and a half. You can't do that in an MLF-style tournament. with It's just too big of a risk. So yeah. I like the five fish, too, because it, it allows for cool storylines and people to, to make aggressive and, and risky moves, which I think is a better um, – product on tv and a better storyline uh, but they're just going for the fact that they live stream and therefore every fish counts is a better storyline for them because then it's exciting because it's every more, fish well, it's it, more it, action more too. action right yeah. so i get it but. yeah it's anyway so what are we, yeah so what are we talking about today <laughs> it was a great way to start it we kind of went right into a tangent right away but it's fine i mean it's all relevant um, what I wanted to bring you on here today is I heard you on, uh, I believe it was the final cast uh, talking about Crescent Kayaks, but more importantly, talking about how simple you like to fish. You're like yeah. a four rods, one, you know, one kayak. If you don't need electronics, you don't use them. Right. You know, and that's similar to like me. I carry two spinning rods, a flipping rod, and it's a bait caster. Mm-hmm. And I try to break it down. I was talking to the guy yesterday. I try to break it down to where I know exactly what I'm going to do come tournament day. I feel like exactly. you do the same. I do. Yeah, that's you, you described it pretty well. I mean, I mean that's why I got into kayak fishing. You know, with River Bass and people know me for that. And uh, we're kind of revamping that brand a little bit and doing some more stuff with it this year, which we'll announce later on in the year. But um, and we have our River Bass and podcast that Ken Morris and I do, and it you know it streams on the Paddle and Fin Network as well. But um, that's why I got into kayak fishing. So I didn't want to when I got into the uh, and so just so everyone knows, I got into kayak fishing because it was the best tool, right? It's simple, it's lightweight, it's easy, the best tool to fish rivers, which is what I love. So then, you know, I, I started my own tournament trail, River Bass, and did that for eight years. I did Hooked on Wild Water show, uh, hosted that for five years. Um, it's all about fishing remote wild places, the places where the kayak, you know, pretty much only the kayak can go. So when it when in about 2016 or 17, wherever that first KBF national championship was, where I believe Matt Ball won about thirty five thousand dollars when he won. Uh, he won out of a Jackson Kusa HD, which is the boat that I designed back when I was with Jackson. And so someone sent that to me and we, you know, said, hey, man, this guy just won this national championship out of your boat. You know, and, and that felt like amazing, just incredible that something that I designed helped somebody accomplish that, you know? And, but it also made me think, I said, wow, um, like there's tournaments that pay this much now. Cause back in, you know, in the day there weren't. And so someone said, well, you ought to go next year. So I went the following year and did pretty well. And that qualified me for the next year's championship. So I didn't have to fish any of the, the trail stuff stuff. And then I did well again, you know, like I think it was like fifth place or something. And then, then it qualified me for next year. So I did. And I, I think that next year I finally did fish a few other tournaments. And then I got second at the national championship in 2019. And at this point, it's like four tournaments in, you know, four, well, maybe five or six. I did some FLW KBF stuff. But my whole point is like the whole time I'm just fishing like my style still. And it started to make me realize I enjoy this tournament thing. This is fun. I do enjoy it. I didn't fish tournaments growing up really, not, not a whole lot. 
just a few. Um, I just, like I said, got the yeah, kayak. It's similar to me. I didn't learn really? about tournament fishing until I was like 19, 20. My, my little nephew is the one who told me about it. He's oh, like, really? We were, we were fishing a pond, and he's like, oh, I'm going to – he uh, caught a fish, and he's like, yeah, I could win the Bassmaster Classic but this. I'm like, what's that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> All I knew was I'm going fishing to have fun, you know, up until That's that it. point. That that was me, man. That was it. I mean, it's probably also because my dad, who really is the the main one. I mean, my my parents uh, both fish. My mom and my dad, my grandparents all fish, but none of them fish tournaments. They had bass boats. They just fish for fun. Or back in the day in East Texas, where they're from, all my grandparents lived. It was more for fun and for food, right? And so they fish the brackish waters. They catch redfish, sheep's head, you know, whatever. So it's never occurred to me that this is like something you could do competitively and at that point in my life i'd gotten you know i just got to the point where i had you know developed my skill set where i'm catching tons of big fish like all the time i i joke around with people say you know I'm, i met my wife when i was 35 and until then i just dated the river and that was it i just fished fish fish so <laughs> i developed my skill set and i'm not saying i ever got bored of fishing still because i didn't but tournaments added this new element right uh you know because it's like sure. anything. Once, yeah, you want to have a little bit, a little bit more. Once you get a taste of something that's good, you kind of want to take it to another level, and then eventually, it's a completely different yeah. mindset too. It is. Boom. There you it's, go. There's the, the transition, like, the mindset, <laughs> and it and it changed. It changed. Let me put it this way. It it changed the way I felt about a 12 inch fish or catching a 14 inch fish, whereas you know I'd caught so many of those, and I'm just only looking for big ones, uh, just fun fishing those days, like big shoal bass or big smallmouth bass in the southeast where I lived and now it totally changed like my mindset. Like you said, like a 12 inch fish matter to 14 inch fish matter because they are a fish that counts on your five. Right. So yeah. now I'm having, now it's cool because I, I still enjoyed fishing wild places and rivers. And the fact that in these tournaments I could still do that. And I did not have to deviate from the reason why I wanted to be in a kayak and not in a bass boat. It's like this perfect marriage. You know what I mean? Like yeah. together it's like, Oh, perfect. I can, compete which I've, I've always been into sports my whole life and my master's degrees in sports management i love competition competing in sports and it was just this perfect marriage i was like oh man i can compete and also uh you know still get to fish my style river bass in the wild wild places so that's why i stick to to that method uh it's also just what i know the best i know um uh, there's a lot of folks out there who who you know can go offshore they can fish a lot of the places the bass boats go which have schools you know of hundreds of bass at times or even thousands on some of these big lakes but uh you know i just wanted to stick with like you said a few rods a paddle a tackle box and just see if it would continue to work and hold true and the more people keep getting the electronics and more of the stuff that's creates the these mini, the mini boats the banks. yeah the more i'm yeah, exactly the more i'm like pushing the opposite direction yeah. uh in some respects at least I look for those areas. That's my preference. I still want to fish the areas that are the most fun for me. So um, those smaller, you know, backwaters, creeks, hard to reach places, things like that are where I always shoot for uh, with that small Crescent ultralight um, and a, a new, a new boat I got coming out um, here a little bit later this year. So, I mean, that's kind of what I'm always striving for. And the more people get the other stuff, it almost, like you said, opens, maybe opens the door up for, that style to be continued to be successful. Uh, but I will say this, I do have like a Crescent uh, makes a solo skiff. Uh, 
yeah. it's a little mini boat basically, but it's a uh, it's legal for the kayak tournaments. It's rotor molded product because it's made to be push pulled or paddled or whatever. And I am, you know, got a motor guide on that, and I've got the the panoptics. Uh, I, I'm going to install it here soon. I keep saying that any day I'm going <laughs> to install that thing. And um, so there are a few situations where that may come into play, but it's never like what I'm going to like go into a tournament. It's not going to be the first thing I do pre-fishing or whatever. It's never yeah, going to be like what I Yeah, that's what I, what I like. Like you, you, um, your first choice is to go as simple as possible, and yeah. then you bring in those other other aspects and boats. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com when you feel it's needed right you know and like i feel like that's it you're a good person to look up to in the sense of the guy who doesn't have a ton of money to put into electronics and everything can still go out there and compete you know versus versus what the you know the sponsors and everything else puts out there right that's true i mean it <clears throat> You know, it's like this, like if you're really doing something at the highest, highest level, yeah, you could, you know, you could make the argument you need all those tools. You need multiple boats, like a big one, like I'm talking about with your electronics, because not every tournament can be one with my style. It's just, it, it can almost be done, but not quite. You know what I mean? It's just, there are times of year, there are water temperatures, times of year, certain bodies of water. If you look at um, a Lake St. Clair, for example, like, I just don't think you're winning up in skinny water against the main lake, yeah. you know, five pound average smallies, you know, four and five pound average that people are going to catch when you go to Sinclair, a hundred inches. Right. So I just don't think it's certain lakes. It's not going to compete. You go to um, lakes in like East Texas is a good example, Mississippi, Louisiana, you know, a lot of those rivers and creeks flow in kind of tannic and the bayous don't have good size. Um, and, and there's, there's lots of places uh, all across the country. Florida has got some that are good examples where, yeah, you might find a little trickle of a creek that flows in, but it's never going to have the size that's in the main lake. Um, lake Fork's a great example. It's really fed by nothing. There's like two little small, two or three small creeks that drain into it, and you don't, you can't really get up them very far, and, and it, they're just, there's just nothing there. And then, therefore, there's not going to be any size there. So it doesn't work all the time, but it, it's definitely, if you're just getting into this, you're fishing local club tournaments or regional stuff, even national stuff because there there's enough tournaments in the national schedule where you can cherry pick the ones that fit this style and you don't have to go, you know, to, to the ones that don't. So yeah, it's definitely right. doable, man. But if you really are the looking to compete at the highest of highest levels, you, you probably need all, all the tools this exact same way that uh, a guy in a bass boat these days. Uh, if you look at guys like John Cox or 
whoever they still have. Uh, he's a skinny water, shallow water guy. He's known for that. Yeah, so but he still has. He the... still has it because it might only help you in one or two <clears throat> events out of the, the fifteen or twenty he fishes a year. Well, he fishes like thirty or forty, but <laughs> most guys fish like fifteen, twenty eight total events a year. Uh, most of those pro bass guys and and I'd say a lot of the kayak guys are in that fifteen. The ones that are really kind of PKAs, right? The ones that are yeah. professional kayak anglers are aspiring to be. They fish, you know, fifteen to twenty five. So uh, I fish probably 13, 14, so maybe 12, I would say 12 to, to 20 something are the ones who are trying to kind of do it more full time, but they, uh, they still, you know, they still need, um, the other tools as well. But anyway, it, we're, we're here to talk about the mindset where you, you don't, if you're just you know. <laughs> using the, the one simple, so, um, we can get yeah, into so, um, Take me through kind of um, – I, I know I've heard it before. I know you talked about it before. But, like, uh, mindset of, like, going into a tournament, uh, realizing what you need for a tournament kind of, and then, like, like I need to learn how to pack for a tournament. Also prepare, obviously, Google Earth, do your research right. and all that. But especially going out of your comfort zone where it's not in your area or your state. How do you prepare for that? That's very tough uh, because I know a lot of <laughs> anglers that are listening to this right now are new or you know new on the national scene where they are forced to go out of their comfort zones and from the region or state. And from Illinois, you have to go out of your state, right? Especially yeah. this year because they added new laws, which that's, that's another mm-hmm. podcast. That is, that is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's very much a challenge because, and I'm I'm fortunate that like i said i've done this a long time and been blessed to travel uh when i filmed hooked on wild waters for five seasons we went all over the the country for that so i i was you know was able to fish the ozarks (laughs) rivers and lakes uh more rivers really like for me you know uh i was able to fish you know in in places like that and in places in the southeast and everywhere in between and you know whatever i mean just everywhere mid i've been kind of all over the country already but it took kind of learning uh, those river systems, the backwaters, the species, the different species that are there that come into play, it kind of took learning all of that to kind of piece it all together and put it all together. And I feel like that's what has helped me do so well in all different parts, you know, of the country. Um, and it just, nothing will ever kind of trump that experience you have. Yeah. Obviously you can listen to podcasts, you can do all your research you can, and that'll help. It definitely helps a lot because, Fish are sort of the bass, I should say, are very similar in how they act everywhere across the whole U.S. It's just that they're using a different type of cover to stage, whereas it might be the the in Florida, it might be the point of a grass mat, right, the very front of a point, and the wind is blowing, and that is acting like the first rock in a river or the first rock in a a lake where the wind is blowing, and it's like the biggest rock in the at the end of a point, let's say. Uh, or in a river that where there's about to be a rapid and there's a bunch of big boulders before the rapid, like the that first group that's out there, it's a likely spot to catch a fish. And you just got to picture it different, like a grass mat with wind blowing on a current for a lake, for example, um, or in a river, uh, like down in Florida, the rivers have a lot of, you know, grass you can flip and pitch and hydrilla too. Yeah, I, Again, heard, I heard the grass in Florida is kind of like their, uh, like, like their channels that they go through. I haven't fished mm-hmm. in Florida. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, there's, there's, there's actually like paths and, and, you know, 
through the, the grass, like little, uh, like you said, channels and highways, if you will, they can kind of swim yeah. to and from. But when you look at it, it's just this giant bunch of grass. But when you actually realize that, okay, that's a, there's an indention in the grass here, or there's a, a point of grass here. And then, Hey, look, there's, there's a point of hydrilla and mats here and lily pads up against it all connected. And that's the only spot I see a lily pad, you know, isolated lily pads in this giant patch of hydrilla. That's a unique feature. That's no different than the combination of uh, in a small mouth stream when you got a bunch of rock that they love, but then you also happen to have a big tree that's fallen down right in that sweet spot of beautiful boulders and rocks where they're going to be. It's like, Oh my goodness, that's the magical combination. Well, now the magical combinations just change, but fish are still, I mean, bass are still bass, but what you're looking at and how it works changes. Like take lakes and, uh, you know, wherever, uh, Highland Reservoir lakes that have these clay banks or just kind of rock banks or sandy banks. And then all of a sudden it transitions to um, like a rocky cliff, right? Or it transitions from, you know, a little small gravel to sand or on those transition points, everyone kind of knows if you're a lake angler, they do like those transitions. So now, for example, down in Florida, the transition just happens to be it could be different types of grasses coming together. It's all a bunch of hydrilla that changes to, you found some eelgrass right here next to it. Uh, and now it's more eelgrass here. Well, rather than just randomly in the middle of those two types of grass, I'd focus more on where they're joined, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it, that's all it is. You're just trying to piece together, <laughs> you know, how it, how it works in that, you know, ecosystem compared to what you're used to in your home you know bodies of water and once you once you kind of see the matrix if you will um and and it it kind of all connects it all comes back and you're like i get it now this is equal to this where i live and that's why they're here and start kind of figuring the puzzle out but doing it my the style i do is very challenging because you know you're in skinny water and uh if you want um in a second here i'll I'll let you ask this next question i want i do want to get into the mindset of uh, basically all the pitfalls and what you have to be aware of. If you are going to get into tournament fishing with this style, um, there are a lot of things you got to look out for, a lot of dangers and a lot of major risks that come with it because uh, you could very much, very easily zero or do yeah. pretty poor going this this method too or not win uh, because, you know, I'll get into it in a minute, but it looked like you had another right. question. Uh, I did. Yeah, it yeah. slipped my mind when you were talking. <laughs> that's, <laughs> uh, that's all right, man. Well, I, this is this is the question. Then we could get into that. Um, do you feel somebody can go to their home waters and kind of start learning techniques and patterns that can help them in other? Because I feel like if you can figure out the pre-spawn, spawn, and post-spawn of the bass in wherever you're going for a tournament. You can kind of figure out where to look for, even if you're not there or not familiar with the area, as long as you practice your techniques on your home waters. Right. No, you definitely can. What I would suggest for people that do have home waters, let's say you're you're really good at catching them around docks or something, or and, and that's just what you always do because that's where you catch them. I would say, well, if there's grass or wood or any other, you know, rocky banks, anything else, you know, the river or creek sections. Um, try learning how to catch them in, in those situations because there there are bass there in, in your lake. It's not like they're only on the docks. You just fish the docks because that's what you know and you enjoy. Yeah. But you but you've already kind of like figured that out. You know how to catch them on docks. So if you go to another lake, you know how to fish docks. Okay. So so expand a little bit on your 
your skills and your techniques. Try catching some fish offshore if that's what you're into. Um, but like I said, more what I do, try try going up into some small creeks and rivers or some little backwaters that are hard to to kind of get into maybe that, that some, a lot of people just are, are a little lazy sometimes. They just don't want to do the work or they have a kayak that they can't get to certain places that, that maybe you have a kayak that can, like a small little one like I'm talking about. Try catching them in all those situations. Then you've at least exhausted all the skill set that your local lake can help you, you know, get really, really good at. So that's okay. what I would suggest. Yeah. And yeah then, no, then you'll take I, it to the other parts of the country. I know this past year, anytime I was on like home waters, like there's a couple of times I went on our, the home river for smallmouth and I was practicing finding them deeper versus shallower, just finding that one point where they're sitting and stacked up. And kind of recognizing like the current and where the current breaks and really trying to learn that this past year. And then also learning how to use a frog in the mm-hmm. grass this year because my hookups were horrible before this past year. You know, that's so like either learning a new technique or learning how to read read the water differently is what I would be saying. Yeah, man. No, it's <clears throat> you're dead on. Just just take advantage of all right. that, that lake that your local lakes have to offer because trust me, there'll be a piece of that somewhere else that you go uh, across <laughs> the country for sure. So Yep, and that we could get into what you were going to talk about the downfalls of your yeah, techniques. The, the mindset of <laughs> the mindset of doing this, you got to be very uh, mentally strong and prepared for uh, many things. First of all, are you going to just cast a check? Or are you trying to go and win a tournament? Right? It's like that's you have to figure that out. Are you just wanting to just cast a check and you're happy with that, or do you really want to hit a home run and win a tournament? Because that will matter a lot. Because um, rivers and creeks. Uh, me, I'll, I'll say this: small and medium-sized rivers and creeks. I'm not talking large Coosa River or Tennessee River. You know, lacrosse. Where you could run a boat on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking those kind of rivers. We're talking like medium and small ones. The, you know, they're obviously feeding a lake because the tournaments are always, you know, titled a lake. Typically, you got a yeah. few Hobies like Susquehanna and and the Wolf and Fox River this year up in, I think Wisconsin. Um, that, but most of the time it's you know a lake, right? So. You're competing against um, two different kind of, you know, ecosystems that are very good, both at, at, you know, growing bass and holding bass. The issue is most of the time with all the creeks that are going into a lake, you know, you, you can have a fair good amount of like numbers of fish, decent amount of numbers of, in these locations. So, yeah, they might might work out for cashing just a check sometimes or not even cashing a check, just getting a limit because getting a limit both days of a two day tournament definitely does not ensure you're going to cash a check. But the, um, the problem is that, you know, if you ever heard the phrase that the bigger the ocean, the bigger the fish, and that's what you're dealing with here. The bigger, the lake is bigger with a lot of forage with shad and bluebacks and owl wife, you know, whatever, like all the different kinds of, bait plus the brim and the crawfish and every other kind of food that that the rivers have as well and those fish can be kind of lazy there they can kind of grow and be a little bit bigger and especially heavier because they're lazy but small creeks and rivers um typically the fish just don't get as big to so someone is dialed i mean dialed in with their offshore electronics or their the panoptics or they just know that lake really good at spring and in the main lake and the, the fish are all in the banks with moving baits and they can cover a lot of water and do that. It's very hard to win in a medium size or small, uh, you know, Creek 
a river. It's just hard because you're, you're just not dealing with the same class of fish. It's a challenge. It doesn't always work in every place. Like I said, we talked earlier, there's, there's no Creek you can win on Lake Fork. There's no Creek you can, you know, win on, uh, whatever name, name some other, yeah. you know, that lakes like Sinclair, the ones we just talked about earlier on Erie or whatever, it's not going to happen. So a, you got limited opportunities for it. And B when you are there, you can't just roll up to some Creek and just expect that magically just because it's hard to get to. Yeah. The the big, big enough fish to to win are going to be there. So that's, that's where, and you only have, most people only have, you know, one, two, three days of practice. So if there's uh, let's say there's a lake and it's got, you know, six or seven fishable creeks. And I, when I say fishable creeks, I mean the last, you know, 15 miles to the lake are floatable and fishable, big enough, uh, small rivers or creeks. You don't have time to go fish all of those, right? I mean, there's just no way. So maybe one or two of them have a good population of decent sized fish, but a, you gotta, you gotta hit on the right ones and pre-fishing. Uh, and, and then hope, of course, you got, those size fish are there and, and hope that the, the, the lake guys don't find them as good as they can as well. And that's always a challenge. Now on the flip side of that, you know, you can, you know, the, the lakes are getting pounded by bass boats all the time. Right. So this is the flip side to the, the especially coin. in the national tournament. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got, they're on weekends. You got boats, bass boats out there all every day of the week. So there could be less competition uh, you know, in, in some of these places like the, the backwaters, rivers and creeks. So that's the positive. The only other, you know, part about that as well. Yeah. There might be more, more pressure on the main lakes, but if, uh, if they've got, you know, a good population of bass, you might like, in other words, what's better being, you know, in a river or Creek or where you have a, maybe you struggle to catch fish of, of size and you're catching good numbers or, be out there with a few bass boats on and finding an offshore spot. That's got a school of a hundred, two to, to five pounders. Like there's more big fish out there. Right. So in yeah. theory, it's just not my style. Cause I don't like to just sit there and, and have the anchor mode on my motor. If I'm using a motor or, or, you know, just sit there and tread. Uh, if you're pedal, if you're in a pedal drive kayak or a paddle, just sit there and hold or anchor yourself to, to fish that stuff. That's just not as exciting to me, but the fish are there. And so who cares if there's, bass boats all around everywhere if you find those you know because all the bass boat guys they're not like incredible anglers like we just think they are they don't know what they're doing no, a lot know. of them most I of mean, them so so i was saying this yesterday where like we can you know just like the national kayak tournaments anybody can you know pay and be in a national event that doesn't right. mean everybody is going to win or do great i mean we've seen right. a lot of people struggling kissimmee Yep. Um, this past couple of weeks, but yeah, the same yep. same thing with the boat. I mean, technically, all you need for a bass boat is the money. You yeah, know? exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's it. Yeah. You just get out there and, and the money, and then in these local tournaments and clubs that you don't even need that much money. You just you know need the money for the boat. Yep. But but it doesn't mean that they know what they're doing. So yeah, you're going to see more people. There's going to be more pressure. But are they finding these sweet spots and places on the lake that? are not the obvious stuff on the bank, you know, probably not. So you just got to make a decision on your mindset, right? Like we're talking about, are you an angler that wants to play that game in the lakes and go for, and go for broke and find these schools of just like right now, the major league fishing is on actually. Uh, and Jordan Lee found a spot offshore <laughs> in this lake and he caught an eight pounder, a seven pounder and a six pounder back to back to back. 
on the main lake offshore on a spot that when he's sitting there and the camera's on him, it just looks like he's in the middle of the lake. There's no feature you can see. He's just like, how did he find that? Right. So those guys who are the I had a situation like that last year, but I wasn't catching those six pounders. Yeah. (laughs) It was like 12 inch, 13 inch, 14 inch. (laughs) But they're there. Yeah. You know, they're there and he's catching them and then they prove it. The pros prove it. It just looks silly because they're just, they're just out there and it just looks (laughs) featureless. You're thinking where and how did they find this? The best guys in a lake can win any tournament. I think the best guys that, that fish, you know, wild places like I like to do could potentially win every tournament as well, but you got to be the best at your craft either way. So you have to almost decide like, who are you, you know, are you more electronics and you like looking at the Navionics maps and, and finding offshore sweet spots that, that the bass boats and the kite guys that no one else has found yet. Cause they're all over, you know, all over the, the bottom of lakes just hidden that people don't know about, you know, Yeah. or, or do you want, are you more of a backwater guy? Like, you know, so then, on the flip side to the struggle with a backwater uh, wild river bass and, you know, strategy is a lot of these tournaments, there's only so much of that water available. So let's say like a lake, like Lake Wachita or Lake Lanier, I think they each have about 700 and something shoreline miles. Right. Um, And a lot of times the tournaments will only have the rivers that are going into it depends. Sometimes Hobie's got some cutoffs, but you might only have, again, we're comparing 700 miles of shoreline plus, offshore structure on the bottom of the lake, right? All this water. I can't, I forget how many acres those lakes are. They're, they're giant though. Probably like 30 or 40, um, you know, thousand acres. But you, then the rivers and creeks you, on these tournaments, you only have, you know, a little, like maybe let's say uh, between all the rivers and creeks, you only have like 40 or f- miles of, of river and creek. So now yeah. if other people in, in the kayak tournament are fishing that water, and they pre-fish and you stumble on the same thing together. Now you're taking those fish and it's not like a school of, you know, again, on the, on the main lake being stuck on the main lake uh, with, you know, three or four bass boats could be on the same school of fish and just keep catching them and firing them up and keep catching them on the main lake. Could be a hundred fish there or 30 fish or whatever. Maybe just a couple people end up on the spot you find. But if a couple people end up at the same small Creek or small river yep. on tournament morning and you're not, you don't know. With- yeah, happened the first happened. tournament to me last year. Um, I yep. think we we all we all fished. It was a river event, but we all fished the main river. We right. all uh, we all decided that it sucked. <laughs> yeah. So we all fished. Basically, it looked like a creek on a map, but it was the lower part of the river. And right, uh, Jackson and a couple other people launched the same place as me, and I knew I just stayed back. So I'm like. If I'm following right behind them, there's no chance I'm going to catch no. their fish behind them. Right. You know, so I just stayed back and I just plucked away the ones that they couldn't get. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> it's it's a challenge, man. It so, really is. Because... So yeah, what you're saying is like when you get the pressure in the creeks, it it really becomes a lot harder. Very hard. So, so I say that <laughs> to, to say that you got to be you got to have a backup plan. Yeah. So if you have a, like when I drive around the, the day before a tournament, uh, well, I mean, a, in pre-fishing, one of the days of pre-fishing, I drive around, I try to scout as many, you know, places as I can. What you have to do is basically have a plan B or C. If other people show up at the same little backwater, little spot, have the same idea, because these little places I go and fish, you're picking off one fish here, one fish there. It's There's never a giant school of fish. So if other people are there and they take, let's say there was like, you know, in this area or section of Creek or river, there's like five 
meaningful fish that even live there, right? Or five are caught that day. Well, if you're, if, if somebody gets one and another person gets two, another person gets two, then the five fish you needed to, to do well on that day of the tournament, potentially were all scooped up between the pie was split between everybody. Yeah. So you got to have a plan B, you know, and like, or, or, or just something like you said, you got to figure something out, you know, between the people like, Hey, look, if we all stick here, we all try to float down this together or whatever, none of us are winning and we're going to be leapfrogging each other and getting ticked off. We have to figure something out now because there's a chance we can still all win or do well. But if we all stay here, we're not, no one's going to do well. Yeah. And it's just the truth, but that's, that's a risk. That's why I'm saying it's very risky. The other part of this that is risky is the fact that um, it takes a while to figure out which creeks and rivers may be, you know, profitable, if you will, in terms of, good fish or fish that could cash checks or win and just because a place is wild or hard to get to which is again it's stuff that i love to go to in tournaments i just feel like there's gonna be less people there um and they just don't want to do the work unfortunately i've spent a lot of time and wasted a lot of time which again you have to do it though going to a lot of these places that they're they're not near an access right so it takes you a long time to get there and it kills like an entire day of pre-fishing almost like, like basically half a day or three quarters of, of a whole day. You could maybe spend going to one spot that you're, that you're hoping pans out. And if it doesn't, you're just hosed. I mean, you only yeah. got so many days of pre-fishing. So if you only have one day to pre-fish or two, you know, I, I usually get two and a half days of pre-fishing three. If I'm lucky, um, if it's a new body water and I, you know, I, I, this last year I did get some where I had like three and a half days of pre-fishing, but usually it's like two and a half. If you're in a situation where you can only get one day of pre-fishing, taking that gamble, it's almost not ever, you're not going to be worth it's it. It's not cause, worth it. Because then what do you do? If it didn't pan yeah. out on tournament day, all of a sudden you had one day of pre-fish, you, you took a, you know, went for a Hail Mary trying to hit a grand slam. It didn't work out. And now you've just got nothing, but you're basically pre-fishing on the tournament day. So yeah. that's the other part of the mindset to this style that you've got to be prepared for. It's a, uh, you know, and then the athletic part of it, the, the, um, the physical element that's very challenging. It's taxing on your body. You get very beat up potential to, to you know, sprain some ankles or get a lot of cuts and scrapes, flip out of your kayak, lose gear in rapids. If, if there's rapids on a river or just get swept into a, a tree when you're fighting a fish, things like that, that, you know, just the river in general, forget, forget rapids, anything with moving water in general, it's just potential for things to go wrong. So you got to be prepared that that can happen and, and know what you're doing in those situations. Uh, but it's, it, those are the main it, challenges for sure. Yeah. And well, you have, I've heard you have a strategy to your pre-fishing as far as hitting a spot real quick, seeing if yeah. something's there, picking up, going to another spot. You yep. want to kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I, I do like to see as much as possible just because, <clears throat> you know, you can, once you see, the more you see, and I've used this illustration before, like let's say you're picking out a car to buy a car or a house. doesn't matter. But if you just look at, you know, the first couple, you know, or just the first one, never even look at another one. It might be a really nice house. You're blown away. But then, after you look at 10 houses in the, in the area, the first one may not even come to mind anymore as being that great yeah. because you've seen them all. You've seen the area that the schools that are nearby or whatever in the car, it's the same way. It's like this one looked good. But then once you see the other ones, you realize like, Oh wow, that, that 
you know, whatever like that. Um, 2012 Tacoma did not compare to the other 2012s they looked at, even though the first time you saw it, I mean, Tacoma's uh, nice. Yeah. Like, it's nice. You're not going to like say <laughs> it's not nice. Like, dude, it's nice. So, but then all of a sudden, now you have something to compare it to. So I kind of take that strategy. I want to see as much of, you know, the river, the rivers, creeks, and lakes as possible because what looked nice at the beginning may not be so nice by the time you get done. And then you really can assess now this area, you know, or that area had more of the cover I'd like to see or more opportunity to expand on it to, to potentially be able to stay there, not have to jump out and move, you know, two or three times during the day. Um, and so plus of course what you caught there. Uh, so it, I basically get out there and I catch some fish, like you said, I, I mean, I'd prefer it if I get catch a nice one. And if I do catch a nice one, I'm, I'm out instantly. Like I'm gone. I don't catch another nice one. Just one good fish that's okay. 17 inches long, 18. And I'm like, I'm out like no sense in even staying around at that point for me. But if I'm only catching some 12s or 14s, I'll stick it out through, you know, three or four fish pre-fishing to, to see if anything big is there. Um, and if not, then now I've learned something because I've taken mental note of, well, what was the water temperature, the color, the clarity, the amount of current, right? What was the, the cover was vegetation, wood, whatever you, you kind of like bank all that in your head. And then when you go to the next place and you catch some, maybe there are some bigger ones and maybe some of those um, variables change there. And now you're like, okay, well now I've got something going. And then you go to the next one and you might catch a couple nice ones again or not nice ones. And you kind of put the puzzle together like, Oh, at the one spot, this is, you know, this looked very similar to that first spot where I didn't catch many big ones and I didn't catch many big ones here at my third spot either. And they have a lot of similar characteristics. And anyway, and then if you catch big ones, obviously you kind of can put what kind of the structure together. Yeah. Put the puzzle together. <clears throat> Um, and where you want to focus. And then the other thing is I don't on a two day tournament. This is the other part of the, that, uh, the struggle to this strategy that uh, I forgot to mention two day tournaments are challenging because first of all, you're, you're pre-fishing. Most people, they can't stop fishing and pre-fishing. And they, they, even in the area that I'm talking about, when they get into a spot and they catch some, some nice fish, they just keep fishing and they don't understand they're burning their fish for, for tournament, for day. tournament day and they also don't understand when they're not there on another day of pre-fishing somebody else might be there burning those fish up too so at least if i can and maybe that person other people end up there during the tournament maybe they don't doesn't really matter but if if everyone took the strategy and everyone's just not catching a ton of them then there's going to be more willing feeders on tournament day so i'm trying to preserve as much as possible so uh because let's say it's just me that ends up in a spot like this I don't want to rob for my own fish chances you know? and yeah. And then I'll figure out on turn on the a day, two day tournament, you need fish for two days. So let's say I don't have the puzzle and, and I never do. I never have it all figured out going into the tournament. That's why I always a nervous wreck because I don't really know where to go. I've got like yeah. seven places. I caught fish and pre-fishing and I caught some of similar sizes here or there. I mean, I always tend to go to the place where, I mean, it sounds just kind of, simple right but i go to end up starting on the place where i caught like my biggest fish and pre-fishing most of the time you know i mean that's that's kind of the yeah, thing for yeah, all of us right right it's like, well, maybe there's more there. there's gotta be more <laughs> yeah. 19s like even if i caught a couple 17s at one spot and i caught a 19 i'm usually going to the place where i caught that single bigger one and then and then i find out what that area has but i always want an exit strategy a quick exit strategy for the fact that if other people showed up right like i said or for the fact that maybe that was a 
a one-off random fish that wasn't a true pattern there, or maybe the area isn't isn't as big enough to hold a lot of fish to last me an entire day of fishing. You know what I mean? Which is often the case with me. I, I usually move, you know, not all the time, but I've moved as many as five times mm-hmm. in a day, but you know, it's yeah, not- that was going to be my next question. Uh, do you plan your moves or do you kind of like, do you time it? Because obviously we only have about eight, nine hours depending mm-hmm. on the tournament. I know last year there was a couple times where I kind of said if by this time, if I have this amount or if I have this amount of inches or if I haven't caught anything, I'm leaving and I'm going to this place. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, MidwayUSA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, that, do yeah I do t- have to time it. Um, I have to, yeah, keep track of Sometimes I'll set an alarm, but if it's going well at the first spot, then it's not as much of a concern. You know what I mean? If things aren't going well, then I have to, you, you know, you pay attention to that time you've set and you know exactly how far it is to get to your next spot, right? Like your next closest, you know, potential spot. And you set an alarm and if it goes off and you kind of assess, you know, this is kind of the, my warning. If I want to get over there and have enough time to really find out what's there effectively and, and not have to just fly through everything and fish too fast or, you know, mess my style up, then I got to leave now. And then you make a decision like, okay, it's not happening here. This first spot, I got to go. And then the beauty of of the two days is once I sort of expand on these locations in, you know, day one, I really know what I have. And then on day two, even if I didn't have the greatest day one, but I, I probably eventually got to a spot where I had a, a decent stringer to keep me in the, the hunt maybe for a check or for the win. As long as I'm in the hunt, then I now, I, now that I've fished and fished hard in those spots, like for – a whole day, like nothing I had ever done in pre-fishing, like really expanded on those areas and really figured out the pattern, learned so much more, so much more than I ever could have learned in pre-fishing. Now I know where to go on day two to really maximize. And on day two, in theory, you know, I got a good chance of getting as much, if not more, okay. you know, so, so anyway, but if, but most people do the opposite They're, and it's, I get it. You know, a lot of folks don't have the, the same experience as I do to be able to just, just leave after they you know caught a few fish or know why they're they're leaving and why they why to go to another spot it's it's not easy to do but if you can do it uh, then it saves a lot of fish and it allows you to, to have a lot of fresh fish you know for the tournament but that is the hardest part trying to figure out a which which little pins on the map that i've chosen to even pre-fish to begin with well i've narrowed it down to those spots and then b once i've fished them and pre-fishing now how to narrow them down and like you said the um the map has a big part in 
your strategy on on moves because if you got a bunch of good spots in like this you know three or four places you could probably pick up and move within a, a 20 to 30 minute drive so not too much time you're you wasting could, that's i feel like your your strategy of the four rods and the light kayak is like almost perfect for making those moves where someone with a trailer or like i car topped mine my kayak last year and it felt like it was a half well, i need to probably get better at it but it was like almost 15 20 minutes just to load the this everything into the car yeah man takes too versus, long versus versus you you're just <laughs> thrown in the back of the truck and you're gone to exactly. the next spot exactly and you, you just got to plan your your strategy accordingly have it all mapped <clears> out and then you know, if you're going to take a gamble for a place that's a very long, uh, not a drive, but I'm talking like once you're on the water, it's a long paddle or motor. What I typically try to do is I end my day there or I start my day there. You never really want to. It's best if you just end your day there. You know, if it's a big because then you have time to get back and get your photos uploaded and all that stuff. You know, they give you a couple hours. So, well, whatever. You have an hour to get your photos yeah. in. but. You either can start your day if it's a if it's a location that actually is a long drive from your uh, campsite or your Airbnb or hotel. You can it's smart maybe to start your day there, but then if it's a long paddle or motor, it's it's and that's all you got is that one spot that's far away, very you know takes a long time to get to. You're killing time there and back. But uh, the only thing you you can potentially do is. Uh, if if you can get there within half an hour, which a lot of the tournaments let you get on the water, you know, half an hour before first cast, yeah. then then you could say, well, you know what, it's all it's a half an hour away, or it's forty five minute paddle away. I'm only going to burn fifteen minutes of fishing time. You could you could risk it and do it that way too. So there's a little bit of uh, how do I play this strategy, you know, towards either the beginning of the day on a super remote location or the end of the day. You got to be one or the other. You can't just you know, in the middle of the day, decide you're going to go paddle an hour away or drive an hour away. And then, and then all of a sudden that's all you got in that area. And then have to drive an hour or paddle back an hour back. Cause then you've killed two hours. If that makes sense. So you got to use that yeah. time at the beginning of the end to your benefit. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So I want to go back to pre-fishing. I should have stopped you a little bit earlier, but yeah. it's fine. Um, when you're picking out your spots and going to the spots, if you like find them, Say like you you find the mother load of fish and you know you're going to fish there. Do you kind of end your pre-fishing early or do you go and still check out a bunch of other spots or kind of? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I rarely, um, I, I mean, there are a few times, especially once you get familiar and you've got some history, but you can't ever assume that what you found is, um, is the best, you know what I mean? And, and for, for what I'm talking about, like I said, you don't know who else is going to show up there. You don't know what, uh, well, that's the other thing I forgot to mention about the risky part of doing this mindset is by the way, weather. So you don't know what weather's going to occur. So if you're fishing some small rivers, creeks, backwaters, they could, they could go from clear to chocolate milk overnight. So that's the other part of the gamble. I forgot to talk about that. You got to be very, very prepared for like what happens if your river rises, you know, three or four feet and becomes muddy, but you pre-fished all week. And this happened, happens a lot. I mean, all year last year, every tournament we fished, it seemed like pre-fishing was one way. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Bassmaster Championship, we all pre-fished 
and, and it well it just rose so crazy that the possum kingdom lake day was Eat. chocolate milk pickwick same thing lake pickwick kbf it just flooded the day like you know the night of the tournament oh, i mean the, before the, the tournament kissimmee and lake fork same thing with the weather yeah. where yep. i mean the lakes didn't rise but the temperature went from 80s to 20s in a right. matter of days so you know. it it changes fast man so that's yeah. why you got to be prepared with all your exit strategies and your plan b's um but uh what was the what was the question again before i get too veered off um it was on... do you like because i know gerald swindle mentioned this in a seminar where he oh, said he stops he stops yeah. fishing yeah because he said it, if he fishes till dark if he does like what ike does where he goes right. from morning to dark that it messes his whole tournament up. No, it, I agree with that. I do. I, I, I want to be done on that final day. The, the goal is to be – tell you what I'll do. What I do with my time, if I've found enough fish where I think I could you know, do well and win this tournament, a couple things happen. One, um, I do want to end early and get checked in early because I want to get back because I'm kind of like Gerald in the sense that I need, I need sleep. Uh, I, you know, I'm just not – good with waking up early i need like to get sleep i can't stay i'm just you know i'm 42 now it's not like i you know i'm 21 i can just go to bed at whatever hour and then get up and i feel fine right yeah so i need sleep and i need to be prepared because i hate wasting any time you know you've seen we've talked about my strategy i, I move a lot it's it, there's a lot of time i'm not casting so if i'm if i'm moving you know a couple of different times in the truck i can't have any you know, wasted time. So I'll pre-rig as many baits as I can. I'll get my rods already, get everything, you know, everyone obviously gets their rods ready, but I'm talking even pre-rigging other baits and just getting every, everything I can possibly do that, that would, you know, like sharpen hooks, everything, anything that even it sounds silly, but sharpening hook for a few seconds, it, if it adds up to one or two casts by the end of, or changing out your treble hooks or whatever you do, little things like that on the water, uh, putting a new skirt on your bait, whatever. It, it adds up. To, it takes yeah, time. It always takes time. Yeah. So I, I'm sort of in the mindset of, you know, Olympic swimmers at one point started shaving their arm hair and, and chest hair for a reason. It was the same yeah. point two seconds over the course of an entire race. I'm in that same mindset. Like I'm don't want to waste any time possible. So that's what I do with my this the uh, half of my day on that final day of pre fishing. Usually you have to stop by four o'clock anyway, but I want to be there at check in at that point. So I'm usually hopefully hopefully done around one or two o'clock, uh, and I or or sooner. But, but I'll say what I do like to do, even if I've already found fish, I still want to scout more locations on that body of water, because, um, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. The very last moment of pre-fishing in uh, it was the KBF Pro Series uh, that COVID year 2019 on the Claremont chain. The very last minute of pre-fishing before I could had to stop casting. So it was around three, three thirty. I pulled up to a bridge um, and walked down to a, to a basically canal area and made some casts off the bank and caught, you know, like a 15, 16 inch fish. And had I, and I'd found fish, you know, earlier uh, in that pre-fishing. Right. And it's already almost time to stop pre-fishing. I didn't have to keep scouting different, pins that i dropped on my map to prefit to, to scout right i didn't have time to drop the kayak in so i just fished from the bank right there real quick and i caught a fish and on the first day of the tournament uh i went to uh i went to a spot this is actually perfect this lines up with everything i've said i went to a spot where all of a sudden i'm there with five other people and this is a small like creek 
five or five or six other people were there and I kind of went down a ways and then, you know, no one really, we weren't doing a float. So I went down a ways, I come back, I'm passing all the people. I was kind of in front fishing fast and, and paddled, motored on down, you know, to start further down. And on my way back, you know, I, I'm, I'm fishing all used water. And I'm just like, I hate this. I'm fishing everyone's used water. I've got a limit. It's not, it's decent limit. I had some like 17 inch fish, but I'm not like close to, not close to the top here. So I went and I packed up and because I caught a fish at the bridge at the other canal spot, I knew, dude, if there's fish of that at the bridge right there, just in that canal, surely there's gotta be more fish up or down from there. So I went over there, I launched there. And uh, again, I, I only had maybe three hours, two and a half, three hours left to fish in the day. And I had no clue what was about to happen, but I was pre-fishing in essence because I already had a limit. It was, you know, I wasn't going to like kill myself by trying something new. I wasn't going to get get any bigger. My stringer wasn't getting any bigger at the other spot. I was never going to get any bigger because we were putting too much pressure on that spot. And I caught a 21 and a half. And that clued me in that there's big fish there. And I I remember saying to the camera, like, you know, I'm coming for you, Jody. I'm coming for you, dude. You better (laughs) watch out. And so the, the next day, um, I was right. I mean, I exp- I had a chance to expand on that area up and down. Uh, and I ended up catching just hammering huge fish. I don't know what, I think I had the biggest limit that the second day it was in the upper nineties, but I never caught Jody. He still won by like <laughs> 10 inches cause he had such a good day on day one, but I got second place, but I, I never would have gone to that spot. Had I not back to your original question, had I not continued to scout and continue to just check off more boxes of spots that I wanted to see. And, and potentially put it in a fish. So, I mean, yes and no. If I found a good, a bunch of good fish, I'll still want to see more of the lake. And because you just don't know, like I said, weather, water conditions are going to change, rise. And maybe it's just the, the last three hours of day two or day one that, like I did, that you end up going to that spot that you stumbled onto because you did stop and check it out. Uh, but I do, I do want to hedge it a little bit. Like I do want to get off the water. Um, you know, at, a little a early. Decent you, time you don't want to be rigged I mean, because I know, I know the the like normally tournaments Saturday, Sunday. So Friday, you kind of have to be off four or five o'clock, like you yeah. said. But like, so Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. Let's say you get two full days of practice. You're saying don't be out there till dark and wear yourself yeah. out. But you right. don't like to. Yeah, you I don't, don't like, like to. to be out there. Not, yeah, I don't like to. Um, and, and the key, what I do is I figured out, I bring, um, even though I keep it very simple in the kayak, right? I really want to have three or four rods, have it very dialed in, small kayak, just one box of, one little box of tackle, one little bag of plastics, you know, some Z Man Elastec. And that's, that's in my dream scenario, that's it, right? But, um, you know, it doesn't, of course, always work out like that, but that's yeah. what I want to happen. But what I do in order to help make that happen, which sounds, this sounds backwards and crazy. Everyone is shocked when they see Instagram stories or people that talk about this that have stayed with me. They say Drew brings like the whole, his whole house with him to the Airbnb. <laughs> and I've got bins that like, they're all around here. These Plano bins are just everything I could possibly use, even though my goal is to not use hardly anything. Any right. Yeah. But it's like we talked about earlier, that one tool, that one, that one tournament this year or two that pan optics helps me catch an extra fish or two or win or whatever. Um, it, it matters, you know, that, that help for that event. So I may, I need all that stuff. Cause you don't know when you might need something. Right. And so then, like you said, like your, your strategy is as well, even though I have it all there by Friday, I've got it figured out where, okay, I'm building my tackle box this day, Thursday night yeah. or Friday, the day, day before the tournament, this is all I'm going to take. And this is all I actually need based on what 
I've figured out. And then that's it. So then you pull from all that, you know, all the stuff you have there. So it's kind of yeah, backwards, but I do bring it all to the house and then just don't, I mean, don't. I I feel like I did the same thing this past year where I brought everything I had and then that night before the tournament is where I really was like, I'm just going to use this the rest to stay in, stay in the car and be done with it. That way I don't have to think about, oh, well, a crankbait might work here or this might work yep. here. I just have that stuff that I know worked in practice. I'm going to make it work during the tournament. Yeah. And then you um, also know what things are maybe if those aren't working, what just a couple of things you get out of there that are similar or yeah, you, you could kind of hear too. You just don't need to build and bring just all your tackle. Now, if you're on a, if again, this is the mindset. If you're not the mindset of the skinny water backwaters, you're going to fish offshore. You're going to, you know, fish on the main lake and you're in a Hobie pro angler 14 or something like that. New canoe, something with tons of, ability to hold a lot of stuff and you, you're not you know portaging over anything in, yeah. a, in a tournament like kbf where you can or you're not you know whatever launching somewhere crazy you're just at a boat launch what the heck man they bring like 10 rods like 14 rods to see people with all these rods they bring it all they bring all their tackle it's just not why i got into this so um, yeah it just doesn't work for our style you know or my style yeah i feel i'm like i said i'm very very similar with that like i feel like the more stuff i have the more stuff I want to use, even if yeah. it's not working. Well, this worked. Let me try this, mm-hmm. and that's not good. Come tournament day, where you're yeah. trying things out just be, to try them out. Be scrambling. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, the uh, the only other thing I will caution <clears throat> you guys on again. I'm trying to just w- warn everybody the pitfalls because I feel like I tend to, when I talk about stuff, I, I tend to make it sound and look easy. Um, people see me have success, you know, in, on the national scene. And they just assume it's it's easy and it's just not at all. It's so hard. No, it's... Not not to, not when you're trying to do it this this style. But I will warn you, uh, some of the things I've made mistakes on is a good example is down in Kissimmee. One one tournament I did try to float down uh, a creek, and if you're not really really good at uh, the map study and you can't really tell the difference of what uh, like hyacinth looks like compared to lily pads, and you think they're lily pads. Uh, and you're going to fish a new water, which I'm not scared to fish. You know, that it's actually happened quite a bit. Um, once you've done my style of pre-fishing, you've seen enough of the lake and you've scouted stuff out and you still can't, you know, maybe you haven't got to every one of your spots you wanted to get to, but all the time you had was the time you had and, and you still haven't found anything you think is a winning area. I'm not scared to go, you know, if I got a couple more bullets to fire, you know, in two more days, just one or yeah. two, you know, obviously two days you could go to, you know, two or three different places in a day. But if I have a few bullets left to fire, I'm not afraid to go to a totally new location because I know what's, it's not going to happen there. Those other spots, it's not going to be one there. I've seen what's there. I don't feel good about it. And I'm trying again, it's, it's back to the mindset. Are you trying to just go have fun or go catch, just cast a check or just catch a limit? Or are you trying to win? I'm trying to win. So I'm like, Hey, all my pre-fishing has got me nowhere. I am going to, just fire off a couple of my last most likely spots where they have to be. If, Cause so far I've figured out where they're not right. They're not here. So they gotta be, you know, somewhere else. So when you do that, here's my warning. When you do that, you, you know, like in Florida, that one year, last year, I was, uh, I went all the way down a Creek. I'm many miles down. I got to, to some like choked up hyacinth mats and I was able to get through a couple of them and it was open again. And then I got to a point where it was like, I mean, a mile or more of, 
just matted up vegetation that you could not get through. No, no kayak, no motor in history. Nothing can get through this stuff. It's so like the roots are joined to the bank and then all those roots, and all those plants are separately joined all the way. It's not budging. Like you're not getting through yeah. it. So I had to hike out. Um, a lot of you guys may remember that story or seen Instagram or Facebook stories about it where I'm hiking out of a swamp, you know, knee deep sometimes in mud, cypress knees everywhere, just a swamp in a forest. And I probably had to hike that thing, you know, a couple miles before I was two or three miles total, maybe because I had to go, I went out. And then at some point I went back in once I looked on the map and realized that was all hyacinth and not lily pads. I saw on Google earth where it opened up again, where it looked like it. And I was hoping that that was a current enough image where it, it was still true. I hiked it back in, ended up getting a limit still, you know, whatever had like decent, like, I don't know what I had that day. It was like low eighties or something, but, um, wasted half my day doing that. So you got to be careful of getting yourself into situations like that, uh, because it's, you know, it can happen and, you know, you waste your whole day and you're not yeah. going to, not going to win if you're not making casts. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get that completely. Well, <laughs> It's been an hour since we've been out. It's been a fast hour. For yeah, sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer. So uh, final thoughts. I normally I'm going to start asking people at the beginning of the show, but we started off hot. You know, um, what uh, what does mindset mean to you as far as fishing and going forward in the tournament scene? I mean, to me, it's it's I'm, I'm super competitive, and again, like I, I get that everyone sees oh Drew, like whatever, like maybe I'm known as, you know, a really nice guy, whatever. But like, in, like deep down, like everybody that fishes these national trails, like yeah, we're all friends, we're nice, nice guys, we all get along because you can't play defense in this sport. Like it's like golf, like why not, why not be friends with the people you're playing against? Because yeah. You can't really play defense anyway. But so, I say my, my <laughs> quote is we're all friends until it, yeah. it's time to cast until that first cast. That's right. You know? That's right. So it's the truth, man. It really is. Um, then it's just like, you know, just focus. It's, and so yeah, the, my mindset uh, for this is very much like, you know, like I was talking to you earlier. I mean, I don't like to waste a second doing anything. And I think that every, every single cast can matter you know so i'm not out there instagram and st stories when i catch a fish during the tournament to, to put it on my facebook and sometimes i'm not even posting the fish um live even if i have signal but it's not because i'm sandbagging just because you know my mindset is i'm i have time for that later in the day that they give you time i don't want to waste a second i'm just super and i know that my style of fishing and the, the locations i'm fishing it's hard to compete against these guys on the lake it's hard i mean especially with the electronics the way they are these days it's not easy, man. So you need every extra cast, every second you can get. So my mindset is just, it's ultimate, you know, river focus. And honestly, it's, um, there's a phrase and I'll say, it's kind of like, you know, you've heard of against the grain, right? That, you know, you go against the grain. I feel like I go against the current, you know, I'm in the <laughs> current. I got an uphill battle, you know, it's like your grandparents, whatever. I went uphill both ways to and from yeah. school. And stuff. I feel like my battle is super uphill. It's super challenging. I'm def I'm, I go against the current um, compared to most people. So I'm just super hyper-focused and that's, that's what mindset means to me. It also, in a weird way, even though I'm super focused on the fishing, it's also um, an escape. My mindset is it's, I finally, all the work's been done and I, and the tournament is finally the day where I get to just go fish and have fun and leave, just burn it down, man. Leave nothing on the table 
catch them all. And I can't do that pre-fishing. I can't do that when, you know, you're, when I was filming hooked on wild water show, I can't, I can't just go fishing and have fun because the camera guys over here and they're saying, we got to move here. We got to film this now. Oh, the lighting's not good. We got to go over here to this spot, hold the fish up lighting. You can't just go fishing like you were yeah. when you were a kid, just go have fun. Just nothing but fishing, not worrying about anything else. So that, so I have a little bit of a crazy as it sounds, a more of a, a peaceful, calm, and just more fun mindset, even though I'm very intense about trying to get the biggest five possible. So yeah, that's yeah, a, it's a happy place. Yeah, when I was doing a, a podcast yesterday, he he was saying the same thing. Where fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish; it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations, and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. He's like, he, he wants to win, but he doesn't. He doesn't want to go out with a, you know, and have a bad attitude, right, about the day, or be mad that he's out there fishing, just because the tournament. Yep, you know? that's right. That's right, man. And you can't let it. I mean, I get, I get frustrated like anybody when I have bad events, but. The thing that I think helps me is when you look at all the anglers and you follow like the fantasy game, like you were saying, man, no one has good event after good event. I mean, they all, everyone stumbles. And, and I, I fortunately have been kind of one of, one of the more like consistent, I guess, anglers, but I've had dud events, you know what I mean? And a lot of, actually a lot of some of those dud events were things I could have controlled, like uh, hiking through the woods. I could have floated that whole section and learned about that. But sometimes it's just, it is out of your control and, conditions change situations change people change i remember kbf lake murray last year i had i had history in this location i've caught giant fish there other people were there fishing it with me and i couldn't i couldn't catch them or someone was always on a spot that i caught them at whenever i i you know went to, went over to that spot there was always someone there in my i just got out of my game and had a horrible tournament you know the second day caught three fish so the what i'm saying is your mindset has to be of it's okay to not cash a check every tournament or to be the top 50% even of every tournament. Like it's, everyone's going to have a clunker, um, you know, or, or, you know, obviously more likely several every year. And you just got to keep going because Tiger Woods didn't make every cut as a, you know, at even yeah. the peak, peak of his career, he made most of the time, but it just happens to everybody. I just know people who feel like they've, they get down on themselves. You know, they, they, they don't make a, um, a check or they don't get even near the top or whatever. And they get down on themselves and it's just, it's just part of the game. You just got to go on to the next one, move on, yeah, learn but... from it. Cause it's all one big tournament in totality. All your tournaments are one big tournament. If you could have learned something from that failure and it helps you in the future, then you've actually helped because of that failure. You've actually potentially cast a check or won yeah. in another tournament. So, well, I, go off of what uh, Swindle says where it's the most losingest sport you will ever compete in because mm -hmm. the top like 5% yep. of the time you're winning versus you're losing a lot more than you're winning. And it's so true. Like, <laughs> he so says true. He, he goes out and if he has a chance to win, great. But uh, his main concern is cashing the check and making the yep. Bassmaster Classic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's a win. And, and yeah. fishing, a cashing a check 
is considered a win, even though you didn't win. So yeah. for us, it's the top 10%. <laughs> or if you're at a Bassmaster event, it's like they pay out the top 30 places, I believe, still this year. So it's top 30. Your local tournaments might be you know, 10% as well. I'm not sure. A lot of the most tournaments are 10%. But that's that's a win. So you got to just shoot for that first. And if you happen to yeah. end up in the top spot, then, you know, it was your time, obviously. Yep. Yeah. A lot of people say you just got to wait for it. Wait for it to be your time. You can't always predict it. That's right. And, and, and honestly, I've, I've people. I mean, I've only done this now for two and a half years. Um, you know, that one year, like I said, I fished at the very beginning. We were talking in two thousand and um, I don't know, not like eighteen. Saying, it was five. I fished like five tournaments, and then I think, oh uh, no, that was two thousand nineteen, I guess. And then two thousand um, twenty. In 21 of the only the first two years I've really gone in this full time where I'm fishing like 12 to 14 events, but you know, I've had some success, you know, whatnot, you know, but I've only won once. So I think people would say, you know, I won angler, I won angler of the year, which I guess you could count that as another win, but I've only actually won, um, you know, right there, a Lake Dardanelle yeah. once, but I've had a lot of second places and a lot of thirds and, and top tens. Um, I feel yeah. like it's better to be consistent than to always be winning that's know, right. as far as first place goes. Yep. That's hundred percent. I mean, that that's fishing, man. You, you, you can never, you can't control what anybody else does, but uh, you can only control what you do. So the fact that, you know, like for example, in Hobie, you know, I've fished nine Hobie bass open series and cash checks and eight, eight of nine. And that to me, like I'm winning, like that's a win. Those are all wins yeah. because I got checks. It wasn't, just the one win I'm thinking, Oh, I won you know? So, um, now I'll never be able to keep that pace up, you know, that's for sure. But, um, <laughs> the, the funny story about that is actually that Lake Dardanelle where I won, uh, is actually the only one I didn't cast a check in the next time I went there. So <laughs> you would think that, Oh, you have history there. You know, that was, I've won when I'd never fished there in, you know, ever before first time yeah. fishing there. Now I have history and not only history, but good history where I won, but that just shows you all how hard fishing is. I think the second time I was there, I I was like 40 something out of, you know, hundred and probably uh, 20 people. And I had history there. I'd won there. So it's like, it's yeah, that I mean, hard, it's, man. It's fishing is just that hard. Well, you see these elite guys, they go to the same lakes every yep. year, every other year. And same thing, man. Some, sometimes they're like top 10 and the next time they go there, they're at a hundred yep. place. It's insane. If the lakes change, the fish change, they get used to certain things, they move around. You know, mm -hmm. it's out of our control because it re it's really up to the leather yeah. and what the fish do. Exactly. I, I would still rather have a home field advantage, even though it doesn't always <laughs> seem to work out on, like you said, the Elite Series yeah. or like, like me at Dardanelle the second time. I still would rather have it, but it is just incredible how many times, like, it does not pan out. I mean, Justin Atkins last year on Pickwick was everyone was picking him because he's hometown right there, uh, Bassmaster Elite Series, and he was in the last 10, 20%. He was the very, very bottom. I mean, it's just, yeah. I think, you know, history can also spin you out and you could try oh, to, you know, hurt you big time. too many places and you try to do yeah. too much and <clears throat> it just, you just spin out. So I spin out enough as it is <laughs> without, you know, just every day, yeah. every, you know, because I don't know what I have until tournament day. That's why I'm always scared, and I'm always trying to figure out my plan Bs and Cs in case I see other people here or what what's going to happen. Um, and I try to have try to control it. And it's just, dude, this is what I love about the sport. It's just so much is out of your control, and you try to control as much as you can, but you just 
there's only so much you can control. And so that's, that's the beauty of it. It's a very unexpected that happens in our sport, the unknown. That's why yeah, we love it. The mystery of fishing. So, yeah, it's described perfectly. Like I say, yeah. it's, it's, you're learning every single time you're out there. Yeah, for, for sure. Yep. <laughs> Never gets but, old. All right, buddy. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. Uh, I want to give you a chance to shout out some sponsors before we leave, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've got uh, quite a few and I don't, Usually I'll forget them if I try to list them all. So I'll just tell you guys to, you know, obviously you guys know I'm with Crescent Kayaks. I'm designing um, kayaks with them now. We got our, our first model coming out here pretty soon that I designed. But uh, we have a full line of boats over there. You guys check them out. Um, we we do keep it simple at Crescent. Uh, we're paddle first company. We don't do any pedal boats. USA made and a lot of, you know, importance on lightweight and paddle ability. So if you are in the mindset of doing you know, or fishing tournaments the way I like to fish them, kind of remote places, wild places that might be hard to access. It's a good boat. You know, we make a good boat for that. Several, the CK1 Venture, the, the Ultralight, the Light Tackle, uh, and then even this new one we have coming out. So you guys just um, check them out. Uh, other than that, you know, Real Tree Fishing is my headline sponsor and Z-Man is my, my main lure sponsor. Um, you know, Yak Attack, Power Pole, other big sponsors of mine that supporters at GoPro and um, but other than that, I don't, I'm just going to say, follow me on social media. You'll see all the other sponsors. Cause I'm going to, you know, if I try to list them all, then I forget them, but I just yeah. wanted to mention those, those main few there that I really appreciate their support every year. And then just follow me at Drew Gregory fishing on YouTube on, well, I don't post as much on YouTube, but you can still subscribe there if you want. Um, and then Instagram, it's uh, Drew Gregory fishing as well. And Facebook page, it's the same. Uh, I think everything pretty much is. So go find me and, uh, catch the river bass and podcast if you want to learn more about this uh style and mindset we we started it back and we'll be having a few more uh episodes probably one live on a month and then one that's it's not live um and then some other filler in between some other people so check it out yep thank you again for joining all right man see ya see ya thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on paddle and finn be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures your Midwest premier paddle sports destination, go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs, when in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today. Through the Blackwater Bayous, and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the 
Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.